Welcome to the Moon in Carolina podcast, where we candidly talk business and personal growth through the lens of spirituality, astrology, practicality, and consciousness. I'm your host, Shelby Bundy, and I look forward to diving into the everyday magic of creating the life and business that you were born to lead. Hello and welcome to the Moon in Carolina podcast. I'm creating this episode on September 3rd, the day that Venus finally stationed direct, and I can't even tell you how glad I am that that season is over. As a Leo rising with Venus in my first house, it was a rough one for me. Not only did I spontaneously develop a shoulder injury that plagued me for an entire month, I also picked unnecessary fights with Jason. I felt completely disconnected from my creativity and purpose and just all around felt a mess and uninspired. So now I'm hoping that we're on to bigger and better things and that the disharmony of Venus retrograde is past us. In the spirit of retrograde season and the upcoming eclipse season, I've decided to do a series on how I have used astrology to support my business and personal goals. While I am by no means an astrology teacher, and I'm still very much a student myself, I have learned to use the knowledge I have acquired to live in flow with the cosmos versus against them. So there's some simple tricks and easy learnings that can really help you plan your time well and work efficiently. I have found that for me, having some sort of structure to keep me focused and on track is key to obtaining my personal or business goals. I'm flighty by nature and like to jump from one thing to the next, so it's easy for me to lose focus and get distracted. So I've employed some other modalities to help keep me on track, and astrology is one of those modalities. Earlier in the summer, I was on our Tamed Wild podcast, Magic and Alchemy, discussing planetary magic and astrology. In part of that episode, I ran down a list of the days of the week and which day was ideal for what, based on the planets they represent. If you listen to that episode, you may recognize some of the concepts I'm going to go over here. Along with going into more depth on that topic, I want to dive into the planets themselves and what each one means as an archetype and energy. This is part one of a series on astrology for manifesting. The following episodes will discuss the signs, the astrological house system, the moon, and then finally putting it all together. Again, this is not designed to teach you astrology per se, as the lens by which we'll be looking at these concepts will be through the lens of creating and building the life or business that you desire. The goal here is to learn in easy terms how to use the cosmos to your benefit. Okay, so let's get started. Before we dive into the days of the week, I want to talk about the planets. I like to start here because for me, it was the easiest place to begin working with astrology and applying it to my life. Also, I don't expect you to take notes while you're listening, and it's a lot of information, so I've put a link in the show notes below to request a beautifully designed PDF of the information I'm about to go over. It's free, you just have to request it. So, there are eight planets in total and two luminaries. The luminaries are the sun and the moon, the sources of light in the universe. Yes, the moon reflects the sun's light, but it's a luminary nonetheless. Of the eight planets, five are what we call personal planets. They're the faster-moving planets that affect your birth chart personally. These are also the five original planets that the ancient astrologers worked with in Hellenistic and traditional astrology. 
The other three planets are what are referred to as the outer planets or the transpersonal planets. They are Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. These guys move slowly through the zodiac and affect us more on a generational level. They represent our collective experiences and influences as opposed to our personal ones. Again, the lens by which we're going to be looking at these planets is through the lens of self-improvement and support in manifesting and flowing with the universe in our life's work. A huge trick for me in learning this concept was to personify the planets. Imagine them as people, and once you learn their qualities, you will have a very vivid image of what this person is like. Chances are, you'll even relate them to somebody you actually know in your life who shares the same qualities. They are also archetypes, representing an energy or a personality type. If you imagine them this way, you'll begin to see this energy in yourself throughout your days, or even as another person sitting in the room with you at times. There are many different ways to approach the zodiac and astrology for growth, and this approach is just what has worked for me. So let's begin with the sun. What are some things that come to mind instantly when you think of the sun in our solar system or its effect on our life? Things like it's larger than life, it's life-giving, life-sustaining, bold. It shows up every day in full force with fierce energy and brilliance like none of its cosmic neighbors. It's the center of all things and the source of energy that we all need to thrive. When we're away from it for too long, it affects our mood and can make us sad or lethargic. We depend on it, and it's the main regulator of how we spend our days. But what happens when we get too close to the sun, when we have too much sun? We all know what it feels like to be exhausted, like we shined just a little too long or exerted too much energy. That showing up every single day can get tiresome when it's expected or as part of our routine. There are two sides to every coin, and the planets are no exception. The sun is our greatest life force, but it can also be our greatest detriment. When you relate the sun and its qualities to how you exist in this world, you can better understand how you manifest and create. Where do you shine and exude brilliance? How do you show up consistently and without fear? Alternatively, where do you overdo it and hang on too long? Where do you blind yourself by not taking a rest? The sun in your chart will show you your nature by way of sign and house placement, which we'll discuss in this series. But for now, I just want to ponder the qualities of this luminary and how we're harnessing them, avoiding them, or overdoing them in an attempt to create life's purpose. So let's move on to the moon. The second luminary in our universe, the moon, is the opposite of the sun, shining only when it's shined upon. Our Lady Luna is all introverted, reflective, and full of depth. She doesn't shine out of her innate nature, as does the sun. She shines because she's being shined upon. She reflects back to us what we need to be illuminated. What are some keywords that come to mind when you think of the moon in our universe and her purpose? She's the light in the dark. She controls the waters and the tides and the cycles of women. She often goes dark, almost to the point where you might think she's no longer there. And then she suddenly begins to show herself, growing fuller and fuller each night. But what happens if we go dark too long or too often? How do we feel when we're constantly reflecting the light others shine upon us? What is the fear of always being in the dark or swaying with the tides? What happens when we grow so full and our emotional energy is strong enough to cause a tidal wave? The moon is connected to our emotions and shows us how we receive and give love, light, and nurturing. She's the caretaker of the zodiac, the mother archetype and the reflective inward inquisitor of our subconscious. She shines when others shine. 
She rules humbly and with great depth. How do you harness this energy in the ways in which you approach your goals? How do you balance between being emotionally driven and in touch with your intuition while not creating a tidal wave on the regular? This is the struggle of our moon energy. How are you working with the tides and not against them? There's a balance that needs to be struck when it comes to moon energy and manifesting, and it's one of being in touch with our emotions, but not overwhelmingly leading with them, as too much water without a bank to guide it will just seep into the earth. Next, we meet Mercury. Mercury is the fastest moving planet and is quite the character. Known as Hermes in Greek mythology, Mercury is the messenger of the gods. He's the god of communication and was the only god capable of transversing between the heavens, Mount Olympus, and Hades, the underworld. He gave Perseus the winged shoes on his quest to meet Medusa, told Demeter that her daughter Persephone had been taken by Hades, and he's the guide of souls to the river Styx, showing them the way to the underworld. He always seems to show up where the action is. He's a trickster god and is known for wreaking the occasional havoc on communications and technology, as we all see in Mercury Retrograde. On the list of his positive attributes, we see his love for travel and his ability to transverse worlds and fit in with any group. He's an intellectual and has a love for learning. He likes to communicate and discuss ideas. He's curious, adaptive, and capable of quick change. But on the flip side, he is again a trickster god. He can create confusion, information overload, and create a state of analysis paralysis or overthinking to a point where you get stuck and you can't move forward. He can be flighty and can change his mind just as swiftly as he can jump between worlds. He can create an anxious energy that can feed insecurities and fears. He can be the reason we have a fear of showing up or a fear of committing. So when you think about your mercurial qualities and how you work with them in your life, what do you see? Are you focused and determined, committed to learning all you need to know to get to the place that you're headed? Are you flexible and adapting where necessary while keeping steady on your flight path? Or do you change course when things get to get boring, overthink, overanalyze, and self-sabotage? How are you harnessing the energy of mercury in your life? Again, you can learn more about your specific Mercury nature by looking at your natal chart. This is just to get you thinking about the energies and how you harness them in manifesting. So Venus is the next in our lineup, named that by the Romans. The Greeks called her Aphrodite, the Egyptians called her Isis, and the ancient Phoenicians called her Astarte. By any name, she is the goddess of love, beauty, and harmony. When you think of this essence and archetype, what do you see? She may bring to mind luxury, a lifestyle steeped in the finer things and focused on quality. She loves art, music, and companionship. She's charming, graceful, and creative. She thrives when in harmony, spending time with her friends and laughing late into the night. She's the goddess of sex and fertility. She creates. But what of her shadow tendencies? What does this energy look like when it's in excess or out of balance? Our Aphrodite can become overindulgent, a people pleaser, complacent to the point of self-neglect and an effort to keep the harmony flowing. She can spend too much to keep the beauty and ambiance alive, not willing to sacrifice the quality of life she desires for the time of life she's in. She can become jealous and operate from a place of emotion versus a place of stability. The saying, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned, always brings to mind the dark side of Venus for me. So take a look at your plans, your goals, and the way that you're approaching them. When is Venus present with you, and how are you meeting her? 
In what ways are you harnessing the productive qualities of this creative goddess? And in what ways might you be expressing the shadow side? How can she help you in your efforts versus holding you back or taking you off course? The trick to understanding the planets and their archetypes is to be aware of when they're present in your life, both light and dark side. It will never be all light, as we know, but being able to recognize when you're crossing that threshold into the dark side of a planet or luminary will go a long way in keeping control of your path and thoughts. Let's move on to Mars, called that by the Romans. The Greeks called him Ares, and he was the son of Zeus and Hera, or by their Roman names, Jupiter and Juno. He was the god of war and portrayed as ambitious, courageous, and a fearless leader. He gets things done takes action versus waiting his turn, and goes forth and conquers. He's the epitome of determination. Conversely, he's also often portrayed as angry, murderous, and aggressive. Similarly to the way we know of the planet itself, words like fiery, uninhabitable, and temperamental come to mind. This is an easy problem to see, and most likely we all have encountered this archetype in our lives at one point or another. What happens when ambition and determination are overdone? We end up overworked, burnt out, and exhausted. It's akin to the hardworking fitness guru who pushes themselves so hard they cause an injury that takes them out of the gym altogether. If we don't have our Mars in check, the universe will do it for us, and it will most likely result in a setback. Mars is a personal one for me and one of the first planets that I started to see sitting in the room with me. He was there when I was up at 7 a.m. working, sitting next to me when I was refusing to take lunch because I just had so much to do. He was egging me on when it was 7 p.m. and I still hadn't left the office. I finally had to get him in check when he was sitting by my bedside late into the night while I was lying there thinking of the next day's to-do list. If you let him, he'll fight for you 24 hours a day. But for me, this resulted in exhaustion and I had to take a few days away from it all just to recoup. Again, if you don't do it yourself, the universe will do it for you. Mars is great to have in your corner, and we all do. Just be aware of how often and how long he is there with you. Next up, we have Jupiter, the king of the gods and protector of Rome. The Greeks called him Zeus, who we all know is the god of the sky and thunder. What do we think of when Jupiter comes to mind? The first thing I remember was what I was taught in elementary school, which is it's the largest planet. This quality alone speaks to the very nature of our Jupiter. Jupiter is known for being larger than life, as a king of the gods must be. Everything he touches, he expands, grows, and makes bigger. Known as the planet of blessings, he is generous, optimistic, and success-driven. He creates ease and encourages positivity and fortune. Who doesn't love a good Jupiter? When we think of Jupiter in this personification as a god over all other gods and the one who bestows blessings on others, it's easy to see what the shadow side of that archetype can look like as well. What happens when this powerful figure gets too much power and it goes to his head? What happens when he indulges too much in the things he loves? Food, drink, money. The affliction of too much Jupiter can manifest in excess and self-indulgence. The other risk of this type of energy is losing humbleness and becoming self-centered. Believing in your own knowledge or skills to the point of blind optimism is a possibility of an out-of-balance Jupiter. Take a look at how you're approaching your goals and where Jupiter is assisting or hindering you. Are you being optimistic with reason or are you walking in blind, just hoping everything is going to turn out the way you want it? It's great to know a thing or believe a thing, but make sure you're doing your due diligence if you want to expand it and grow it properly. 
Jupiter is the best kind of energy, but it can lead us astray if we don't stop to take stock of our path every now and then and make sure we're building on a solid foundation. Speaking of buildings and foundations, that brings us to Saturn. Saturn, as named by the Romans, was called Kronos by the Greeks and was one of the Titans. He has a story that is a bit odd, but really speaks to the nature of this planet. The story goes like this. Kronos and Rhea, daughter of Gaia, co-ruled the Earth together. They had babies who would later become the Olympians. There was a prophecy that said that one day, one of Kronos' sons would overthrow him and take his place as ruler. Kronos didn't like this idea, so he did what he thought was best, and he ate his children. Rhea did not like this, of course, so she took one of her sons and hid him from Kronos on the island of Crete. The son was Zeus, who eventually grew up and gave his father a potion that caused him to regurgitate his siblings. Kronos then challenged Zeus to a duel to determine who would be the king of the gods. This would become the war between the Olympians and Titans, ending the reign of the Titans, placing Zeus on the throne as the king of the gods, and fulfilling the prophecy. What a character our Saturn was. What does this story bring to mind about the archetype of this planet? Keywords associated with him, to me, speak to his role as a father. Words like boundaries, structure, restriction, and discipline conjure up all sorts of images of the father figure telling his teenage daughter she can't go to that party, she has to be home by 10, and she's grounded if she's a minute late. He's the fun buster, there to make sure things are structured and done right. But in this scenario of a parental figure, we can also appreciate that this approach is there to keep us safe, not simply to ruin our day. He's there to remind us that real results take time and hard work and that you can't build a solid structure if the foundation is weak. But he did eat his children, so we have to see that side of him as well. This side of our Saturn has become paranoid to the point of making terrible decisions. He can be limiting and slow things down to a crawl. Getting stuck in the weeds is a term that comes to mind here. There's a misuse of authority and a micromanagement that prevents growth. Where Jupiter expands, Saturn constrains, and we have to be aware of this polarity in our life and manifesting. How are you approaching the structure of your goals, and what type of foundation are you working with? Are you taking time to do things right while moving forward, or are you crawling your way through out of fear or uncertainty? There is a balance of structure and going with the flow that is key to creating and following through with your goals. Where do you see Saturn in your processes, and what side of him is he expressing through you? There's a time for Saturn to take the lead and a time for him to take the back seat. Knowing when those times are and learning to put him in his place is key to creating change. That brings us to the end of our list of personal planets and on to the transpersonal or generational planets. These planets move slowly through the zodiac and affect us as a society more so than an individual level. I'll touch on them here and go over their qualities, although I personally don't take them into strong account in the way that I do the others when working with planetary energies um, for manifesting or planning. This is not to say they don't hold value, as they absolutely do, but for our purpose of discussing the planetary energies, these guys are more stationary through the timeline and will be activated by more complex concepts like aspects. Again, an astrology reading can tell you more about the aspects in your chart and how they affect you personally. So let's begin with Uranus and his story. In Greek mythology, he was a primordial god of the sky and heavens, being born out of chaos. He was husband to Gaia, goddess of the earth, and father to Kronos and the eleven other titans. The planet Uranus was discovered in 1781 and is the only planet named after a Greek god versus a Roman deity. Uranus orbits sideways on its axis, laying the foundation for the nature of its place in astrology as representing the eclectic, weird, and rebellious parts of us in society. 
if the other seven planets are orbiting this way, I'm turning sideways and going that way. That's the nature of Uranus, striving to be different, challenging the authority and breaking the rules. Within this nature, we see the creation of necessary revolutions, thought-provoking conversations, and long-overdue change. In essence, Uranus is in the room to make us question everything and act accordingly. Not far behind Uranus is Neptune. Called Poseidon by the Greeks, Neptune rules all things mystical and spiritual. The brother of Zeus, he once conspired with Hera, Zeus's wife, to overthrow the king of gods and take his place on the throne. When Zeus caught wind, he banished Poseidon to the sea. He is the archetype of the mage, the psychic, and the spiritual seeker. He rules dreams and the watery depths of our psyche. He represents transcendence and the fog of disillusion. He dissolves structure and limiting beliefs and encourages us to go deep and go with the flow. He's pure magic. Finally, we reach Pluto, called Hades by the Greeks. Pluto is the god of the underworld. You've probably heard the story of his run-in with Persephone and how he stole her away to be his bride and the queen of the dead. The agonizing search for her by her mother, Demeter, leading to her eventual return, is the reason for the fall in the winter. Her abduction literally caused the earth to die, and her return marks the start of spring. Pluto, therefore, represents death and rebirth. This is his domain, the cycle of light and dark, death and transformation. He is there when we need to let something go to make room for new beginnings. He is the fire that tears through the forest, destroying it as he makes way for new seeds to be planted. So there are the ten planets and luminaries, the archetypes they represent, and how they can be personified in your life. Now that we have this information, how do we use it? So for me personally, I found value in planning my week around the days that each planet rules and acting accordingly on those days, or trying to for the most part. When a planet rules something, it basically means that it represents the motivation for the thing it's ruling. It's the driving force behind the thing, the way the thing is natured. And I say the thing because planets can rule so many different things in the world. Houses, days of the week, plants, emotions, signs, tarot cards. It's a debatable list depending on your perspective. So now that we have personified the planets and have a good understanding and visual of how each one would spend their day, we can work our way through the week. This approach to astrology is beneficial in working with the flow of the cosmos versus against them, and most importantly, it gives us some structure to abide by, and it's really simple to implement. So seven days of the week, each ruled by a planet or luminary. Let's start at the beginning of the work week with Monday. Monday, or Moon Day, is ruled by, you guessed it, the moon. In our society, this day is usually met with groans and dread as we have overloaded ourselves to the point of exhaustion. For our purposes, we're going to throw that idea out the window and see how we can best utilize the energy of Moon Day to further ourselves and our ambitions. Recalling what the moon represents and how she behaves, the most effective way to honor her on Mondays is to get yourself squared away and set up for the week. This means cleaning your workspace so it's functional, creating your work home for the week, and taking things slowly and intentionally. Make your list for the week and let go of any of the weekend stresses. Create balance within yourself and spend some time focusing on what it is you're manifesting. It's the opposite of the hit the ground running mentality that we're used to, but it will help you set the stage for the rest of the week's productivity. Tuesdays are ruled by Mars, the energetic god of war. This is the day to get going on anything that requires action. If you have something that needs a beginning, do it on Tuesdays when you have the benefit of Mars overseeing your day. He loves to start things and he loves to take action. This is a good day to run errands and do the physical things that need to be done. Embrace the ambition and determination of this energy and go do the thing. Tuesdays are basically what we're all trying to do on Monday, which is to be super active mentally and to get things rolling. Monday isn't the right day for this energy, though, as we need that day to get centered and wake up from the weekend. Tuesdays are the day, so get to it. 
Wednesday is ruled by Mercury, our god of communication, writing, and lover of learning. Use this day to get caught up on any writing projects, respond to emails that you've been lagging on, or do any type of publishing work. I use Wednesdays to go back through my flagged messages and see if there's anything sitting that I meant to address and haven't. If you write a blog, this is the day to do that. If you do a podcast, this is the day to work on that as well. If you're taking any classes or need to brush up on a skill set, Wednesday's good for that also. Following Mars on Tuesday, where we were all ambitious and get up and go, Wednesday brings us back to our chairs, books, and computers and nudges us to do the creative communicating parts of our week. Thursday is ruled by Jupiter, our god of expansion and growth. At this point in our week, we have set intentions and we've gotten ourselves centered. We've hit the ground running, taken action on our to-do lists, and have spent time focusing on our communications and learning. By the time we arrive at Thursday, we're in the prime spot to turn our attention toward growth. For me, I like to spend Thursdays looking ahead at the next week as well as the next month, quarter, or year. It's a balance between having your eye on the immediate work and also keeping it on the bigger picture. Jupiter is there to make everything bigger and bestow blessings, so use the day he rules as a day to focus on doing just that. Make bigger plans, work towards the bigger picture, and direct your energy toward expanding your endeavors. Friday is ruled by our Venus and is most appropriate. By the time we arrive at the end of our week, we're probably a bit burnt out and ready for a break. Venus Day gives us a day to focus on creativity, harmony, connections, and art. This is the day to focus on the beautifying and creative side of your life. This can mean working on the image of your business, if that's what you're focusing on, or taking time out of the day to get a massage and some self-care. If you're able to lean into your creativity on Fridays, even for just a little bit, you will be making your Venus very happy. She loves a good art project, spa day, lunch with friends, or a companionship in one form or another. For me, I like to try to work on the artistic side of my business if I'm at work, or make time in the afternoon to take photos, paint, or have a day date with my husband, or really do any number of other creative tasks I have on my mind. Saturday, or Saturn Day, is next. I personally feel like we usually treat Saturdays the opposite of the way Kronos would have approved of, which is usually typical of being full of freedom, indulgence, and relaxation. All the things our Titan father would not approve of. The energy of this day, according to his rulership, is that of discipline, mundane tasks, and creating the structure for the week. I see him present on these days when I'm cleaning the house, i.e. laying the foundation for a productive following week, and Jason's mowing the lawn or taking care of whatever projects need to be done around the property. Saturn's the archetype of boundaries and restrictions, and at some point in our lives, our indulgent Saturdays turn into days set aside for managing life and household. It's chore day in some way or another, and the errands we run and tasks we undertake are usually geared toward keeping the structure of life sustained. The last day of the week, before we start it all over again, is Sunday, Ruled by the sun, this is our day to shine, rest, reflect, and focus on our own energy. I treat this day like my personal day and try to focus some energy on what I feel I most need. Whether it's a rest, a hike, sleeping in or getting up early, reading a book, or holding down the couch, Sunday's the day to conserve and revitalize your own personal energy. Whatever that looks like to you, do that. I'm a mom, so I know it's hard to take an entire day to yourself sometimes. Even making a few hours of the day about you and your needs will go a long way in honoring your son. I know it sounds like a lot, but once you get these archetypes in your mind and you can envision the person the planet is, it's so easy to spot them throughout your day and woven into your life. I've been in an argument with my husband before where I'm being completely irrational and I took a second and thought to myself, 
this is my Mars being all Marsy, and I need to take a step back and shut them off so that I can revisit this conversation with a level head. I've also gotten so into my business plans and whatever it was that I was manifesting at the moment that I spent an entire week just typing away and writing all the copy that I needed for the next six months. After hitting a wall of exhaustion, I realized that I had locked Venus, the moon, and Jupiter out and had spent the week with Mercury and Saturn, with Mars swinging by every now and then to egg them on. These are strange examples, I know, and I promise I'm not hallucinating. However, seeing these energies and archetypes as ghosts that you live with every day will allow you to become aware of when you're spending too much or too little time with them. Imagine you're all a family, and the balance must be maintained in your relationships with each of them. Harmony is always the goal in familial relationships. So I hope this was all enlightening and helpful. Again, my goal is to provide you with the lens through which these energies can be viewed to benefit self-growth and share with you how working with it has helped me in my ambitions and life creation. It's a practice and a daily one at that, but it's just a good roadmap for keeping the focus and staying on the path. Again, if you want the downloadable workbook that goes along with this episode, click on the link in the show notes to request it. In the next episode, we will continue the series on astrology for manifesting, and I'll go over the astrological houses and how they can be applied to this process as well. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggestions, I would love to hear them. The podcast email is hello at themoonincarolina.com. Until then, I'm Shelby Bundy, and I thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about my upcoming courses and offerings in coaching, consulting, or astrology, visit my website, themooningcarolina.com. You can also find me on Instagram at themooningcarolina.com.